lot of the lessons that I have learned through outdoor activities and, and just being in nature, I like very much have like logged in my brain as ways of like how I tackle issues or problems, problem solve in real life. Welcome to the Our Nature podcast with me, Alyssa Benjamin. Our Nature explores the methods, systems, and practices that bring us into greater alignment with the natural world. The opportunity to live a more joyful and harmonious existence is available to each of us right in this very moment. So join me and let's rediscover what comes naturally. Welcome back to the Our Nature podcast. If you don't know me, my name is Alyssa Benjamin. I'm a writer, a coach, a certified forest therapy guide, and founder of Our Nature Studio. Everything I do, including this podcast, is really intended to help people build deeper intimacy with natural spaces around them and within them. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you Take a minute to review it on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Your review is one of the most helpful ways you can support this podcast and ensure that this community can continue to grow and thrive for years to come. Speaking of community, for today's episode, I'm speaking with Michael Washington. Michael is the founder of USAL Project, an LA-based community offering experiences and goods for the modern nature enthusiast. Michael and I know each other because I've been guiding monthly forest therapy walks with USAL Project since last summer. It's been wonderful for me to be part of this rapidly growing like-minded group of individuals who are interested in connecting with one another outdoors. USAL offers over 20 monthly experiences that, in addition to forest therapy, include things like foraging and herb walks, falconry, oceanic species dives, incense-making workshops, flower-arranging classes, community hikes, and so much more. Every month, they also do a gear swap where people can bring their used outdoor gear to swap with one another. And they also recently opened a physical space called the USAL Outdoor Research Center, which sells merch, items from local makers, vintage books and clothes, and also serves to be a community hub for people to gather and connect. This episode feels Timely because I recently read an article about how there's an epidemic of loneliness in the United States where half of U.S. adults are experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. The article touched on the sometimes devastating physical consequences of poor connection, which include a 29% increased risk of heart disease, a 32% increased risk of stroke, and a 50% increased risk of developing dementia for older adults. The article also talks about how you can feel lonely even though you're surrounded by people because it's more about the quality of your connections. And it got me thinking how it's more essential than ever for both human and planetary health to create spaces where people can come together 
build intimacy and feel safe to relax into themselves. Guiding Walks with Usal Project has given me an opportunity to offer this experience to a group of 20 strangers every month, and I'm incredibly grateful for it. In this conversation, Michael and I talk about the importance of cultivating community. We also discuss his relationship with nature growing up in Texas, how the music industry shaped his path, the origin story of Usal, why diverse perspectives and voices are an essential part of Usal's mission and vision, Michael's perspective on failure and self-doubt, and what people may be surprised to know about him. And what he shares is something that I was surprised to learn too, even though I know him on a more personal level. Being new to LA isn't easy, and being a part of a community like USAL has been a welcome anchor for me. If you are a small business owner or are thinking about starting your own business, I think you'll appreciate this episode. This episode is also inspiring for anyone who is craving connection and seeking community. What I appreciate most about Michael is that he's someone who just trusts his gut. He takes aligned action and he gets things done. Witnessing the rapid growth and success of Usal is a testament to this kind of can-do approach. And I really get excited about imagining what the world would be like if more of us, myself included, channeled Michael's spirit of possibility. With that, let's get into today's conversation with Michael Washington. So I start every episode with the same question. I also end every episode with the same series of questions. Mm -hmm. But the first question I ask every guest is what was your relationship like to nature as a child? And I know you grew up in Texas, so tell me about that. The first thing that comes to mind always when it comes to the question of what was it like growing up and where did this connection to nature start is just riding my bike from my neighborhood into this vast kind of like, probably like 30-acred uninhabited just land in between highways behind my neighborhood. So there was like a little trail that maybe some like high schoolers made. There was a tree house. It was just, it felt like a place that me and my friends and pretty much everyone that was, you know, adolescent in that neighborhood could go and kind of just mess around. But the world felt so big because we're so small. So that, you know, maybe 10 acres felt huge. And, you know, throughout the summers or After school, it would be riding our bikes and going into the woods to do God knows what. But Yeah, what were you doing? I mean, what do little kids do? It's like we're like, you know, doing things like paintballing, if that's cool and in at that moment. Or we're like going up to the treehouse and just kind of, and like, just like hanging out. It's probably like my first renditions of like connecting to nature was, um, you know, utilizing what was around our little neighborhood, which were these kind of ravines and just kind of grassy knolls between highways and other more just like concrete. So, yeah. Where was this exactly? This is in San Antonio, Texas. So the Northeast side of San Antonio, which is very like San Antonio is a funny city because it's known as maybe like a top 10 
city in terms of population in the country, but it doesn't feel like that. It's the biggest little city, Mm -hmm. I think is what they kind of call it, just given that it's so spread out. Um, the bounds in which encapsulates San Antonio as like, I guess, city line, they just drew them really big. You know, for us, it was just getting outside and playing sports or just kind of being outside in any kind of possible way, I think was was really a lot of my upbringing. Mm. And, you know, and also just like being around my grandparents who were big proponents of of me in, in terms of understanding how I enjoyed the outdoors. They, when I was growing up, they were teaching at University of Hawaii in Hawaii. And they came from, they're, they're from New York. And then they, my parents, my mom grew up in Chicago where my grandfather taught at University of Illinois. And then he transferred over to University of Hawaii. And, you know, and they were always just so out there, always trying to like, you know, be places and they were always tan just from like trips and being at the beach and I was like they're just like the coolest <laughs> grandparents they were very like radical for their time period and I just loved that especially being from Texas like they just didn't look like anyone other my other friends grandparents they just like wore Birkenstocks and like you know very much more hippie and so hanging out with them was always so cool because they really pushed me I think to to explore those sides of me and when they kind of got over being so far away from all the family, they moved to a beach town about in Texas, about two and a half hours from where I lived. So every summer I grew up, you know, as a kid going to their, their beach house, essentially, and just living with them for the summer. And they had these huge trees in their yard that I would climb over and over and over or going to the beach and really like finding a love for the coast. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think led to me like really moving west and more west as soon as, as I got older and just kind of like, yeah, just, just all those feelings from, you know, fishing with my grandfather or things like that. I think like that really opened up kind of what the world could, could feel like other than just like things in my backyard. I think the next step was them kind of being, you know, being kind of like leaders and, um, you know, getting to experience different places outside of my hometown through the eyes of them was I think that next iteration of, wow, like, this is, I love this. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I love that. And I, I like the idea of, like, our, like, different generations teaching. It mm-hmm. reminds me of the each one teach one. Totally. We're going to get into all Great. of the USAL stuff. Great. But that's, what is that, like, the slogan for USAL? I would say so. It was definitely, like, tagline. Tag yeah. <laughs> the tagline for Usal. I think it's important to share a bit about your backstory. Mm-hmm. And music has always played a huge part in mm-hmm. your life, especially prior to starting Usal. And mm-hmm. I'd love to hear a bit about your connection to music and the music industry mm-hmm. and how that evolved over time, because it's my understanding that you were in the music industry, in the music world. And you were focusing much of your energy there before you transitioned mm-hmm. and and started down this new path, which is yeah. Usal. But yeah, what were you doing? Yeah, I was you know doing both at the same time. So yeah, I was I was a music manager, um, managing artists. So I would find artists that I felt were impactful and needed a voice, and I would act as their microphone to you know essentially kind of grow their fan bases and um, grow their business and, you know, help them reach wider audiences. I think that's kind of at the heart and soul of what a manager is. Um, so you wear many hats 
along that kind of road. And, you know, it's a, it's a tough job given how many artists are out there trying to do the exact same thing. And there's not, you know, a lot of money usually in it. And mm-hmm. so you're doing a lot of stuff and it's just hard, but, uh, but it's very, you know, rewarding. And it's just, you know, seeing, working with people that you are inspired by, you obviously, you know, have, you know, an affliction to like help them and, and make sure other people can understand why you see something in them. And that's why you do what you do. And because you believe in what they have and you think, you know, the gift that they have needs to be shared. And so that's what being a manager is. You're just trying to share it. So that's, yeah, that was kind of my role for 10-ish years. So yeah. so it's really, I mean, it's related to community building, basically. Yeah, no, it's, it's similar exactly, to yeah, what you do I, at USAL, but it's it's now on behalf of nature. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, Your I, nature's manager. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely similar. I haven't, it wasn't like, I don't feel like much has changed other than, you know, I'm able to just reach more people and I'm definitely way more fulfilled through this route of doing it. But the exercise, I guess, in terms of, you know, what it takes to be able to do it, it's it's not too dissimilar. You know, I think there's a lot of additives to, to what I do now that the music industry lacks. So it's way more exciting. I think it feels more like it's pushing kind of like the boundaries. Whereas on the opposite end, I felt like I kind of had reached the boundaries of the music industry and where I could push. So was that what prompted this shift or like, was there something that happened where you were like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not feeling as fulfilled anymore. Yeah. I mean, it was just all those things. It wasn't being happy where I was in the entire music industry. It wasn't being happy where I was in my situation in the music industry. It wasn't just me being very happy in general and not knowing why and not feeling like I had a purpose or a purpose driven job that I, that I, you know, had fulfillment from. And yeah, and just, just seeing where my peers were focusing their efforts on, you know, to get to in five years, that position in five years and looking at that position and being like, well, I don't care about that, you know, so just not, just feeling a little bit aimless and also like, there's so much more out there I could be doing, but I don't know how to do it. A bit dull, you know, it was very dull in the last couple of years, just feeling like I was just kind of, you know, going with the flow and not really like, like having any real reason to try hard, knowing mm-hmm. that I had all this energy, but nowhere to put it was just like hard. So it just kind of fell into the, into the kind of like formulation of ideas when you know, just going outside more and sharing that more and um, just kind of realizing people, just, you know, just didn't really do much of that or know how to do much of that or would ask questions in, in ways that kind of hinted at, you know, oh, I guess what I am, what I'm doing is um, maybe different than what people are used to. And, and there's something interesting about that. I don't really know why, but yeah. You mean by going outside and yeah, just just yeah, just using what was that? What I felt was at everyone's disposal, living in a place like LA, which is just California. So um, doing things like that on the weekends or whatnot, um, I think people would be like, "Where are you? Like, you're always outside. Like, what do you do? You know what I mean? Like, what? How, how do you do these things? Like, so the kind of like how to guideline it felt like no one had, and I was like, that's weird. Like, why? Like, people really don't know. How did you do those things? Like, what was your I mean, guideline? Just, did you just go yeah. and 
well, explore uh, and see what well, happens. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think that was a big part of it. Was like is you know being feeling the. I would always call like I would always have a camper, some kind of van that I could sleep in. Nothing super nice, but just some kind of van I could sleep in. I had one in college, and then when I moved out here. I didn't have one and I, and I immediately was like, I gotta get one. And I got another one. And I've always, and then I was on my third one, which I just sold and, but, but I'm getting something else that's gonna, <laughs> that I can sleep in probably. Um, but, but having that, it was, a, it, it's just like an escape route. It's almost like a fire, fire escape, you know, in case of fire, I can use that. You, you know what I mean? You go in your van and you yeah. take a trip. And it wasn't even the fact that I needed to do that every week. And it was that I could see that van. And it was a visual visual reminder that I have a way out if I want it. And then that's all I needed. Because it's like, I think that's, well, yeah, people don't, you know, don't realize is like, you know, just give yourself these kind of like safety cloaks to where like you can be invisible for a moment, take a breath and go back out. You know, and I think like going in, in my car and not telling anyone where I was going or, you know, just driving up the coast, sleeping in the car and then going surfing in the morning and, you know, going to explore like Santa Barbara and like, you know, just, just having a day to yourself, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, you know, without having to like, okay, let me go online, book a hotel. Okay. How much is it? This and that. It's just, you know, all you got to do is get in the car, pack a bag with some overnight clothes. Maybe you go, go home in a few hours or maybe you like stay for a day. I think there's something just really, really nice about the, the kind of lack of planning needed. And it's just like a really nice way to kind of get out of your own head to have those moments to myself and do that. And then, so, you know, I would just do very local trips like that. So I wasn't going crazy or doing anything like, you know, any big mountaineering trips or anything like that. I would go into like Big Sur a lot, which I loved, but just like on the roads and nothing crazy. And, and then just like over, over COVID, I just, over 2020, I just started to get really deep into the idea of learning more of how to engage with California and, and you know, learning, okay, I want to do backpacking. Okay, I want to do this. And then, you know, finding people that could like help me kind of show me the ropes and stuff. So meeting friends, you know, like Ryan Rankin, who's our free diving and like spearfishing instructor. I had known him from back in the day and then he took me you know, spearfishing for the first time and like, cool. you know, told me what to buy. And then Nordy, who's our, Kyle, who's our um, backpacking guide. Um, we had a friend in common and basically I went with him backpacking for the first time over, over COVID and, you know, just having these moments with people who are now the guides. Cause I was like, Hey, I have an idea. Um, <laughs> where they, you know, they were my guides, you know, and they helped me like grow my kind of outdoor, you know, I guess, pro-S in, in different ways um, without really even trying and just being kind of like friendly and cool and, and nice and open to to being down to kind of like show show me like how to do it and in the easy ways to kind of get into it, which is sometimes all, all you need. Yeah. Um, it's just like, like a, a line, a contact, you know? And so you were going on these trips. It sounds like mm-hmm. a lot of them you were doing either solo or with a really small group of people. Mm-hmm. And people were reaching out to you and asking like, how do I, mm-hmm. how do I do this? Totally. Yeah. Well, yeah, they were, they were, it was just constantly either, how do I do this? Or what you're doing is, is like really motivating and inspiring me and, um, you know, making me want to like change my ways or get outside or, 
a lot of it was like, what do you do for work? And it's like, well, you know, I work, but it's just, I prioritize my time to be able to do this as well, you know? And I think people didn't understand that, you know, you can keep a job and also like do these things, you know? So just a lot of just like questions, you know, just trying to understand that they're maybe trying to see if there's like some formula of like, oh, he grew up doing this or this. Like, no, it's just, you can do it too, you know? And I think that was surprising for people to to hear that, you know, it's not that hard or I wasn't that far away from LA or, you know, there wasn't some huge kind of barrier of entry that I kind of had to learn over years. Yeah, it's really interesting because there's, I do think there are certain like, there's certain skills or awarenesses that Mm -hmm. you should have if you're doing certain activities. Like Mm -hmm. if you're going to go on, you know, a mountaineering trip, Mm -hmm. you should probably know Mm -hmm. what you're doing. And we see people who don't know what they're doing because we see in California, and I'm sure it happens Mm -hmm. in many other states, people going missing because Mm -hmm. they haven't they just don't understand the weather. They don't understand like safety and how to be safe in those spaces. But something that what you're saying reminds me of is I always say like, you don't need to learn anything new to Mm -hmm. create a deeper connection with the natural world. Mm -hmm. You almost need to unlearn. Yeah. And I think we often feel like as adults, We need to have all the answers before we can do something. Mm -hmm. But as children, we really live in the questions. And so it always makes me think about this idea of like, how do we safely, obviously, but like help ourselves unlearn? Mm -hmm. Because you you really don't. I mean, if if you want to, again, have like a certain skill like (laughs) spearfishing, you should be guided to learn that technique. But in terms of maybe going out and putting your feet in the water. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was, for the longest time, living in California for like, you know, eight years, almost nine years, I wasn't doing anything like that, you know? I was just, I had a camper van, but I wasn't, there was, I was just camping. I wasn't, you know, surfing a lot. Like, that was, that was the big thing for me, was surfing and, but like camping, going up, like, I wasn't doing crazy activities or even backpacking or anything like anything kind of like backcountry or mountaineering or anything like that until more recently, you know? So it's not these, it wasn't stuff I've been doing forever. It's just, just the fact that I was just going to places and, and being outside was enough for me forever. You know, there's so much to explore. You don't need to like have some huge activity hobby be like the crux of why you do it. Or, you know, I just think it was fun. You know, for the longest time I was, it was just cause I didn't know anyone else that did that stuff. So it's like, now that I know people, of course I'm going to be like, Hey, can you teach me? Or, Hey, I want to learn this. I want to learn that. But like for the longest time I was just doing the stuff alone, not by choice, but it was just like, this was the means of what I could do. I could definitely, you know, buy a car that lets me, you know, get into it and sleep in it. And then I can, you know, learn to surf and I can, you know, drive around and, and that's good. And that's what I can do. And I'm excited about that, you know, but, um, You know, I would have been super happy to learn how to do all these things. I just didn't know where to look or, you know, if there was people out there that I was friends with that that could teach me. So, yeah. Would you say that that was the the seed that germinated into what is now USAL? Like where, mm-hmm. at what point were you like, well, I want to learn this. So maybe other people want to learn. Yeah. And Well, I was, yeah, I mean, I I think I just like 
tried to do some Google searches and I'm usually like really good at like searching for things I want and being able to find them. You know what I mean? Like I'm very nerdy at that, but you know, it was so, so drastically hard to find stuff around kind of learning like gardening techniques. I think is where I started um, when I was in over, kind of like post COVID because I was like growing a garden like everyone was. And, you know, I was trying to find these like local, you know, urban farms or gardening and stuff like that. And I was DMing them and just not getting a response. And, and it's just like, yeah, it just felt really weird. It felt like, why is this so hard? It's like, why is, like, why? I, I didn't get it. And then obviously, like, yeah, foraging or learning about like foraging and mushrooms and stuff. Obviously wanted to learn about that and just didn't know where to go. And, you know, it's, it's just, if you're not, if something's not there, you're going to like, for me, it's, you're, you know, I like, I'm going to ask the question and be like, well, why? You know, what, what, why, where do people go for this? How do you learn? Like, why is it so hard to get into these kind of things? Why is it so hard? Because it just felt like there wasn't, no one was speaking to each other. You know what I mean? Like no one, one, no one realized people that were doing this stuff probably didn't realize people even cared. Two, like the last thing they're really thinking about when like running a garden or this kind of things is marketing themselves. Like it's like, it's not fun to like be like, Hey, come see me. Here's my Instagram. It's like not everyone is savvy, you know, with like promotion. So there's, I knew there's people out there. It's just like, I have no, I had no idea where I was going to find them because none of them are promoting you know, that they do these things or they're outside. You know, they're not well, yeah, on Instagram. Exactly. Exactly. They're not on the internet. And then half of them don't even realize that they could be teachers. You know what I mean? They'd love to, but they're not going to start a school. They have a job to do. You know, they have a, you know, maybe a garden attend or whatever it is. Like it's like a whole nother thing. So it's just like a lot of reasons. But I think the main reason was that just none of these kind of like no one was really talking to each other. There was no place to like share mm-hmm. like ideas and resources there is no just like home base for like oh yeah if you are interested in learning about outdoors or nature like here's like a platform resource bank of like da 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 okay cool i can like join this i can learn this this thing it was yeah so it was just like i think there wasn't um access to yeah to to there wasn't like a database, I guess, you know, or a phone book. You know what I mean? Like you, you couldn't look up. There was no place to even look, you know, and I think you could do weird searches on Instagram or this and that and maybe find like one thing, but then you'd have to do the same process to find something else. And it's just, it's a lot of work. It took a lot of work to like try to find anyone, you know? So, so yeah, I mean, it was, it was just like, I didn't realize, I didn't understand why it was so hard. Um, you know, to book like a foraging class, but it was so easy to, to book like some like really like abstract, like Pilates workshop down the street. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know, where yeah. it's like we've, you know, been able to like make like intense hit boxing, like kickboxing, like classes, the norm. Um, and then, but like the things that we're doing, like for whatever reason have, have been like taboo or just like not available. And I don't think that's because people aren't interested. I just don't think anyone's really thought that, um, that's also like worthwhile. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So I think like, you know, exercise is kind of like, so, you know, it's in workshop kind of like class based stuff. I feel like exercise in the past five years, five years has like grown from, you know, having an, 
a membership to one gym and just like lifting weights and looking in the mirror to like now you can go on any block in LA and then you can tap into so many various forms of exercise, you know, whether it's just like meditation and like breath work, yoga, or it's more like intense, or it's just like Pilates or this, or it's like cycling or this and that. So it's like the diversity of the kind of gym life world, I think has gotten like a lot more strong with things like class pass or things like this, where there are um, just so many more options to like find what works for you. And I think that is really like the thing about the outdoors. It's felt like gym culture in a sense where it's very bro-y, it's very aggro, it's really aggressive. And I think like what we're trying to do is kind of show that there's so many ways to find like what works for you when it comes to the outdoors or nature. Like it doesn't have to just be what you see in a North Face ad, you know, and it also doesn't have to be so drastically kind of like um, overly like maybe meditation or, or, or stuff that maybe you don't, you know, uh, maybe vibe with either. So I think there's, there's just so many different like bubbles that you can, mm-hmm. that, that, you know, that are available and out there. And I think what we're trying to do is like show people that, yeah, it doesn't have to look like one or the other. You can really figure out what, what works for you. You know what I mean? What your body reacts to, what your mind reacts to. And, you know, have a place where you can learn how to do that so you can then, you know, go and do it on your own. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like, yeah, I don't like using the gym reference that much because it's kind of like, but to me, it, it, it's just very much that. It's like if we can, you know, find like the physical aspect of the outdoors, you know, that is our, you know, way of interacting with, you know, in the physicalities of like our life and um, finding kind of like ways where that also attributes our mental, I think is like, the most kind of healthy way to live, you know, is, is doing something that is fun and mentally just like really making you feel good. And that's being outside, but also like, you know, you're active, you're hiking, you're like, you know, you're doing things that are quote unquote working out, but I just feel like it's such a more beneficial way to kind of spend a workshop or a class or uh, a weekend tapping into something that's like, you know, you're working out, you know, your, your mind as much as anything else. I most appreciate about USAL is the diversity in all aspects, like diversity of experiences, diversity of voices and guides, diversity of people who show up for the experiences. And it's a real parallel to nature because nature thrives in diversity. And Mm -hmm. I think even in, you know, the nature space or, or the nature connection space, you know, there is a diversity issue of like accessibility of people seeing themselves out on the trail. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something I really think about even for this podcast of like, how can I, you know, amplify all different voices, mm-hmm. old, young, mm-hmm. all different races, all different gender expressions, because everyone is going to see themselves in you know, people are going to see themselves in different guests, you know, depending upon their background and experiences and all of that. And I think it's really important that that is reflected because at the end of the day, like 
we are nature. That means all of us. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a um, underlining theme. Like I don't, I try not to be overly, you know, like vocal and political with like things on the website or things like that, that kind of revert to those types of statements. But it's very clear that it's like an extremely, extremely important to me, you know, just being, just growing up biracial and not necessarily having any one to look to that looked like me any in anywhere I went. So it's like, you know, I feel an obligation to kind of like show every side of the coin from backgrounds to this and that because it's just that's how I've learned the most is learning from people that don't look like me and I try to push you know whether it's my friends or anyone to like befriend someone that looks nothing like you you know what I mean Mm -hmm. just that like don't ask any questions just trust me you know because it's just or, or it's a different age than you different you know economic background like it's just so drastically important that we like try as hard as we can as humans to surround ourselves with people that don't just like you look in the mirror and like oh we look just like sisters or brothers just like try you know what i mean i'm not saying it's easy i'm not saying it's like it's you don't have to like tell your friends you can't hang out anymore but i'm just saying it's it's definitely a good way to go about your life is to like invite people into your world who who share you have complete differences with because you know it's really the best way to learn and I think going back to what Usal is, which is, you know, at the end of the day, like somewhat of a school, like a fun, weird school, you know, if deep in my heart, I feel the best way to learn is from people that share different identities and different backgrounds. Like I'm definitely like intrinsically interested in finding um, those types of teachers. It was really nice because you celebrated, you know, the one year anniversary of Usal and speaking of diversity, like there were kids, mm-hmm. there were old men there was this one old man (laughs) who was really having the best time of his life (laughs) but it's like but it was so refreshing to have a space where it was like there were all sorts of people there there was a there was like a couple in a suit yeah yeah yeah. uh, it was awesome and everyone was was talking and that was like and connecting best best party ever i like that was yeah that was my favorite i mean it's what's been hard is like to to kind of adhere to what I know people want, which is like they want to come to the workshops, but really they just want to meet other people. You know what I mean? And it, that sometimes doesn't mean that it needs to be so intentional, intentionally driven. That was like literally the first, I would say, like nighttime, like just hangout meetup that we've ever done. Like definitely the first nighttime one. Like we've done like gear swaps, but that still like has like a component of like, I guess some intentional factor, but this is just like, let's eat and let's drink and let's listen to some music and just chat. And I think that's still important, you know, and I, and we want to do more of those. Obviously, like people came out for it and they loved it, but I'm always kind of wanting to challenge what people want, you know, I'm like, I know you guys want this, but like, I'm not going to give it to you all the time because it's, you know, you can get this anywhere. If you really, if you want to, if you're just trying to party, (laughs) I'm sure you can find a party, but uh, I think we're just going to, continue to kind of try to challenge people to kind of dig deeper, you know, to kind of like, yeah, you know, to be more of an example um, instead of kind of take the low hanging fruit opportunities. Going back to like what you were sharing about how people were messaging you and sort of saying like, how do you do this? Or Mm -hmm. how do you go outside? Or, you know, again, I I see this in my work all the time. Mm -hmm. People come to me and they 
feel really intimidated by going outside and having these new experiences. And I've done my own sort of research into what the barriers are Mm -hmm. for people spending time outdoors. But I'd love to hear what you saw as some of the challenges and what kind of prevented people from Mm -hmm. taking, learning these new things or, or having these new experiences. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it was something that really tormented me for a long time to kind of like try to understand. And I didn't understand. The main thing was why do I, why am I on this side and they're not, you know, like I didn't get, I didn't get that. I do get that a lot of, you know, some of us are a little bit more kind of like, okay, being the lone wolf, you know, I mean, I did grow up an only, you know, only child, single mother. So like, you know, being kind of forging my own path was just kind of necessary for survival. Like it's just, I've always been on that level. So, um, you know, I think I found it more second nature to kind of just explore and try new things and ask questions and just do things rather than kind of like, be like, oh, wow, that looks cool. Like, I'm, I'm okay. Whereas, like, if I'm like, wow, that looks cool. I'm like, I'm, how do I do this tomorrow? You know, like, so, um, I, I, I understand that that's just kind of like differences in, in, you know, humans. But, you know, I think for me, it really kind of just boiled down to, I think what really started to irritate me was when, you know, I'd get these questions all the time, but then when we were all kind of in lockdown mode and no one was working, and really some of the only like real safe things that people could do when it got to that point, obviously there was a point where like, you're not supposed to go on hikes or anything like that. But when it got to the point where you were allowed to, to be outside, which I don't, I felt like should never been the case, you know, people were still like, Oh, I can't do anything. I'm like, well, you're not working. No, I don't have anything to do. I'm sitting at home, like bummed, um, just looking outside and be like, wow, that's like, how, what is, what is this? And I think, you know, I think there's a lot of times it, it, it boils down to, you know, like access on every level. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't, there, there's, if you don't have like access to friends or, you know, family members or, you know, some kind of like, even just like proverbial community or that, that you somewhat like can call to and they go, yeah, like, you know, my friend John's brother used to like fish. Like I can do that. Like if you didn't have like that moment of like, Oh yeah, this person in my life did that. I can do that. Or this person that, you know, I'm friends with or looks like me or, you know, is from like, we have the same kind of body type or whatever it is can do that. Then you're always going to be like, Oh, like that's tough. You know what I mean? I don't know if I can do that. So obviously if you're looking at the outdoor industry and stuff like that, being very much white, then that's pretty much all anyone that's of race of like, that's different than white is going to feel, Oh, like, I don't think I can do that because they've never seen anyone. You know what I mean? If they didn't grow up, you know, in the mountains or something like that, and they grew up in a city or inner city or anything like that, they probably nine times out of 10, they probably didn't have friends that did that. Probably 10 times out of 10, they have friends that did that nine times out of 10 didn't have a family member. And then, you know, other than that, maybe saw, you know, you know, maybe white kids do it and they're like, oh, well, that's a white kid thing or whatever it is. So if you don't feel you're never, yeah, it's going to feel taboo if you don't like have someone to be like, look, this is how you do it. And you're just like, okay, well, that person did it. I could definitely do it. So it's important. Like visual representation is extremely 
extremely important. We are, you know, maybe very shallow for that as humans, you know, but we need it. We need that, that visual confirmation, um, to feel like, okay to like, you know, dip our toe in the water. Um, yeah. It's like tribalism. Yeah. Like we need to see that our tribe yeah. is doing it yeah. so that we feel like, oh, totally. we can belong in that space. Cause I understand mm-hmm. like if, you know, totally. if you're like, well, that person doesn't look like yeah. me, so they must. So yeah. maybe I'm not welcome here. Yeah. And it's in, and you know, because it's extremely radical for like someone like, you know, to someone that is like, yeah, like a black person to like, do these things it's like no matter where they are they're gonna be the only person doing it like that's scary you know mm-hmm. what i mean you have to be really mentally strong like low-key you know i think what we're trying to do is make it so that doesn't have to be the case but you really have to be like that kind of person that's willing to be like you know what f this mm-hmm. i'm gonna change this like not everyone's that kind of person a lot of people aren't you know what i mean and it's not their fault but like um you know they need other people to be like you know what why aren't there more black surfers we're going to surf in the most white town ever. And like Manhattan Beach, these are my friends like Gage and Brick and they started Ebony Beach Club because um, they were, you know, surfing in this area. And then they got all these, like these, these old white men started to like dish crazy racial slurs at them. Oh, wow. That's and they horrible. got like recorded and then it was on the news. And obviously a moment like that, you know, they really, you know, people came the whole, you know, Everyone came out, whole community, serving community, like to really like you know stand up for them, and it and it and they realized how important it was for them to kind of like you know raise their flag and how hard it is to be just like you know some someone in the, in the water that you know doesn't look like everyone else. You know, I've experienced it. It's it's real. You know, so um, it's a radical thing to to do to do a sport where no one else in that sport looks like you. Mm-hmm. Or an activity, you yeah. know. So you you have to be okay with with maybe getting funny looks, maybe you know, getting funny things, and and you know, it's just you you have to be like willing to push that boundary. And those people are brave. Those are brave people that are that are really you know helping um, through just visually you know putting themselves in these places and posting on Instagram. You know that low key is insane you know that 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 alone makes people be like that's why people were reaching out to me it wasn't that i was like getting deep in like guys like the outdoors is really helping me no no i was just posting pictures of me outside and people were like whoa what you know i've and seen like, those pictures yeah but then I, but then like to me it was so second nature i'm like why is why is this a thing but you know it, you have to think about it from like some kid in like some city is looking at that like what like i've never seen this you know and it's and it goes to show how crazy it is, you know, it goes to show how much work we need to be doing to change that because it's absolutely ridiculous. You know what yeah. I mean? It makes no sense. It makes no sense that anyone should feel slighted to go outside. You know what I mean? Like, um, if you live in a, in a state, and at least in America, you're paying taxes to live in that state and you should be able to, you know, mainly walk places that are public, right? And be outside and feel comfortable in those places. But... Obviously, that's not the case yeah, um, not for many people. Yeah, and so it's yeah, it's 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 it was alarming, and you know, you start to think about okay, what what can I do? What can I do? You know, and I think like to me, I was like, well, there's it's not just a lack of diversity problem; it's a lack of access to 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 education and learning problem mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because 
with learning comes the confidence. With confidence comes the ability where there's more people like me that feel confident enough to maybe step into these places by themselves. But if you don't know what you're doing, not only is it not safe, but you're not going to feel confident to be on trail or be in these places because all you're going to do probably is perpetuate the same narrative that most um, of the people that are, you know, being rude or mean are just wanting you to prevent all these city kids are coming out here and doing it the wrong way or treating this wrong way. And, you know, the last thing I'd want to do is like help personally is help perpetuate like that image. All they want to do is like, like completely bash that. And I think like arming, you know, people that have, you know, any, anyone that doesn't feel anyone that feels othered by those experiences, I feel like what, you know, how do we arm those people with confidence and the know-how to where like, you know, they can just like blindly do this and be like, yeah, this is what I do and I can do this. Like, I don't know why you're tripping. I'm good at this just as good as you are. You know what I mean? Yeah. And And I think think you're speaking of like, like more skill-based type experiences because yeah, there's the one thing of people, I think going outside and seeing themselves reflected on Mm -hmm. like the trail or just in a park, even Mm -hmm. that's like step one. Mm -hmm. But then step two is being able to learn from the guides mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. same way that you learned from your guides about yeah. like, oh, okay. But a lot of times this it's like, is, yeah. I think a lot of times what you're learning is like, com- like that confidence is like more like just feeling comfortable. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, cause like even going on a hike, like you learn, you're, if you, if a friend takes you like, yeah, like physically we can all walk up a hill. Right. But that's not what you don't need to learn that, but you are, there is like still like you need to gain confidence just being outside like, you know what I mean? Like that, that is still something that a lot of people don't have is just that like step one, just being outside. You know what I mean? And I think like just feeling like, okay, doing that is sometimes hard and like scary because it feels kind of like unknown and yes. so just kind of like, um, yeah, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of ways to kind of like, you know, figure out how to kind of like feel comfortable and whether that's through a skill or just kind of like being in nature but if you don't have those access points to do that you're just not going to do it you know if you're not like in a group setting which is very helpful because then you're around people that also are at the same level as you um then you're going to be like oh cool like i can do this or i can come here maybe it's not this activity but i can come back here you know what i mean with my friends i'm I'm allowed to do this you know i want to ask something related to this though because I noticed that like on one hand, there are experiences that make the outdoors feel really welcoming and accessible. They're very like easy experiences. Mm-hmm. I would say forest therapy is one of those. If mm-hmm. you're somewhat able-bodied, even if you are have some kind of like physical mm-hmm. disability or need physical modifications, I can do that as well. Like it's very... Um, the barrier to entry is quite low mm-hmm. for, for an experience like that. But then I also see experiences that are challenging and that push people to their edges. Mm -hmm. And there's merit in those experiences, too, because I don't know. I mean, sure, you felt this. There's something to that experience of being intimidated by something and then you do it. And then you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. So is it was it an intentional or and is it an intentional choice on your part to offer that almost like vast spectrum of yeah. challenge and, and access. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I mean, I absolutely, I think like, 
there's a lot of, you know, people that sometimes, you know, come to us wanting just like a really intense experience. <laughs> and to be honest, I, I, I don't want to, I mean, I'll, go, I'll say it, but I don't really think Uso is for those people. Um, cause I feel like. What do you mean in terms of intense? Like they want to free climb up a cliff they just, or something? They just want, they just want the really, they just want. The adrenaline? Yeah. They're adrenaline junkies. That's how I explain it. Cause I remember, so like, for example, an example of this is, um, with our free diving mm -hmm. courses. So we started those courses last year in, they were called Intro to Free Diving. And we've since completely changed the title to um, Fish Identification Dive. And that was because we were running into this exact issue. So Ryan would, would talk to me after the classes. He'd be like, yeah, it went good. But like, there's, you know, these past couple of classes, there's like always, there's about like three or four guys that will show up and they think this is like a breath holding competition. So they, they come in and they're just like they're they're trying to do these deep deep free diving like breath holds and like they're like well why aren't we kind of learning this and this and this whereas like intro to free diving for what Ryan's trying to do is just mainly like in like experiencing what it feels like to be underwater um so like snorkeling v2 so like just feeling like I like, like that description yeah like comfortable like swimming and identifying fish and seeing like what lies beneath. It's not like, in, like some like 60 miles out, mm -hmm. um, you know, doing like 30 to 40 foot, like breath hold dives. That's not the class. It's also you know not I mean? safe. If you're yeah, new. Well, yeah. And that's and it's your like intention. Is to... Yeah. And there's classes for that. You know, there are like literal, like the only other free diving type classes that are even out there are those types of classes. They're like, really intense and they're for people that have been doing it forever you know what i mean um and so he was just struggling with the fact that there was you know these type of guys that were showing up and and essentially feeling bummed that it wasn't more intense you know because they just wanted that intense experience so so we so we changed it to fish identification um where it's like you know it's all, it's all about just kind of like you know, seeing if you can find fish that we're trying to identify that, you know, inhabit the, the local kind of like shores, which is great, which I think is so much cooler and more like in line with what Ryan wants to do, what I want to do. It's mainly just kind of getting people understanding of like what, how cool it is, like, you know, to be underwater and not that it's so scary and, and about, you know, crazy breath holds or anything like that. It's just kind of like getting comfortable being underwater and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, the outdoors can, you know, be at that level and it can also be super soft. So it's like we got to show all shades of it. And, um, you know, I would say like things like the backpacking trips, like those are pretty, you know, intense. Like you need to kind of know what you're doing. It's a hard thing to kind of like lead up to if you've never, um, if you don't hike or, or kind of have some physicality that you keep, whether it's running or, or something like that. But it's like my favorite thing to do. It's like... It's, yeah, it's hard to explain how awesome the feeling is to like walk somewhere that, you know, everything you're going to like exist with through the night is on your back. Like there's something really crazy about that and kind of spiritual to know you don't need much. I think that's the best part of backpacking. Mm -hmm. It's like a lesson in like how less is more is real. You know what I mean? Like, and how like, resilient you are. And how resilient we are as humans. Like you can sleep, we can sleep outside 
you know, alone and we can, and you know, it's scary. There's a lot of fear. It's like, oh, are you scared of this and that? And it's like, you know, the more I've done it, the more, you know, you really come back to the, I guess, real world, just like so at peace with the kind of like, you know, just knowing that that's available to you and you've been able to do that and, and exist without, you know, cell phone service or, or this and that for like a night. And it's just really, really, it's really beautiful experience. And then also, you know, you get to add a bonus of not being at a campsite, at a campground next to like the RV with 10 kids, you know, you, you can guarantee that those, that you'll be, you know, really at one with nature. So that's, that's also the added, added bonus. What is the feeling you hope people walk away with after a new Saul event? I hope that people walk away kind of with a bit more of an open mind when it comes to knowing, you know, how they can spend their time living, just living, you know, you know, I I think right now where we're just based in LA, like, you know, LA can be very much like a bubble in a rat race of like existing inside of that bubble. And I think what we're trying to do is like create these opportunities for people to realize and step away from these events, realizing that there's so much more out there that, is free, you know, and it's, and it's worthwhile and it's, and it's helpful. And, and, and these are very like, um, helpful and, and like nurturing ways to, to enjoy your time and your joy and, and have fun and enjoy time with people. And it doesn't have to feed into kind of like anything that is very quote unquote LA, you know, there's no like egos involved. There's no, you know, kind of like upper echelon. It's just like you in, in this place where you're able to kind of be back to that kind of like playful nature and, um, and just kind of helping people realize like that's a thing that's fun and they can do that. And whether they do that activity that we did with Usal ever again, that's not really the point. It's more so like them being like, whoa, like I did something new for myself, which is super important. You know what I mean? As we get older, I think we get stuck in our way. So it's like, if we can get people like doing a beekeeping workshop, you know what I mean? Like they're never going to do that again, but it's, that's not the point. Maybe not. Yeah. Then they turn into becoming a beekeeper. Yeah. You never know. But, but that's not the point. You know, the point is to really help people kind of like see that they can, they can break out of their shells if they allow themselves to. And it's important to kind of remind yourself that, you know, you can, you don't have to every day. But it's just like, you know, you, you've done it and you feel comfortable doing it and you don't have to feel so locked in your like peripherals because, you know, the anxiety of not like feeling like you can, you can kind of break out of that. So just like tapping into weekly things that are like, I'm going to do one thing new every week, you know, something like that, I think is really like good for you. There is a lot of emphasis on highlighting the USAL guides. Mm hmm. Like you do a really good job of storytelling Mm -hmm. and sort of um, helping people get to know, to Mm -hmm. your point, like what inspired Mm -hmm. them to do the work that they do? I Mm -hmm. know, you know, I've experienced this as a USAL guide Mm -hmm. and I really also see that you're giving people, the guides, uh, autonomy and trust and letting them do their own thing. Mm-hmm. And some companies would not <laughs> do that. Why did you make the decision to structure it this way? Mm-hmm. And what are the benefits for USOL as a business in under this model? Yeah. 
That's interesting. That's a really cool question. I mean, I've, you know, I've, you know, being a, you know, working in the music industry and being a music manager, like starting USA, like it wasn't like the feeling of, okay, wow, now it's my turn to be the artist. Like, no, like I always still wanted to create, you know, a, a stage for, you know, other people. You know what I mean? I've always felt the most fulfilled, you know, being kind of like a helping, you know, person uh, in that kind of way, a microphone for, for people that, you know, I find inspiring. That's where I've always felt the most comfortable and confident and excited. And, and, you know, in starting Usol, um, I got this, I got told this a couple of weeks ago from Sydney, um, Sid, who does like some of our hiking stuff, not the, um, fishing Sydney, but the, uh, Gorp Girl Sydney. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she was just like, you know what I, what me and Ricky talk about? Like, and I don't know if you notice this, but like, you don't, you don't have in the Usal bio, like, f- founded by Michael Washington or mm-hmm. your, your name isn't in you it. Can't find you can't You don't, like, your name, your face isn't even on the page. And they're like, we, you know, we think that is so rare and cool. And I was like, wow, I didn't really think about it. They're like, they're like yeah, like most of these people that have these quote unquote community, like, brands, you know, it's still all about them. You know what I mean? And I was like, dang, like, I guess you're, you know, you're kind of right in that way. And I think, you know, I think for me, it's like, if you're going to call yourself a community, how could you do the other way? You know, how could it be any other way? You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, a real community is there's no, it's not one person. It's the energy source that kind of like comes from everyone feeling like, you know, they can to be, you know, as Usal as me, you know what I mean? And, um, that's definitely the goal. The goal is that everyone that is a part of it, at least when it comes to the guides, like they can own, they can own that, you know, and, and feel, and feel that love and feel kind of like, you know, what it means to be an Usal guide is, is that, you know, they, they get that, you know, the full, kind of like vision is, is behind them and how they want to kind of approach their classes or, or what events they want to do each month or where they want to do them, like how much they want to like charge for it, just anything, you know? And I think like that, I think that ownership makes it probably more fun for the guides. I mean, I can't speak on behalf, but I I can tell you. Yeah. It's definitely probably more exciting. It's more free flowing. And I think that just makes it more exciting for attendees yeah, I think it's more more fun for the guides to like kind of create, you know, whatever backdrop they want for their event. And on the brand level, I just I just think it's quite rare. Um and I think that's why I like it. I'm just, you know, I kind of want to go against the rules a little bit on, you know, how to build a brand because I do think through it we're still able to really maintain a lot of like kind of branding and and like people love the brand and they love kind of you know, the namesake and it still really is highly kind of like, like exists, but it's not because we're forcing it down people's throats. And it's not because like there needs to be some Usal representative, like speaking on behalf of Usal at every single event. Like it's not, we're not trying to make it this like thing that is all about us. Yeah. Yeah, But I think that is your brand. If I, if I would be so bold, like Mm -hmm. it's like you have your visual brand, but then Mm -hmm. you have your other brand, which Mm -hmm. is like, we let, Mm-hmm. we trust our guides. We let, I mean, I can speak mm-hmm. for myself. Like it's really nice that I'm trusted to do my thing. Mm-hmm. And I think people have better experiences that way because they know that when they come to an USAL event, like mm-hmm. they're going to have total, you know, it's there's diversity yeah. in their experiences and mm-hmm. 
by feel like the guides, I mean, at least for me, like I feel empowered to be able to bring my full self totally. and that resonates with other people. Yeah. It's really just, it's meant to feel kind of like limitless and like power in numbers. And I think like the facelessness of it makes it feel bigger than it is, which I think is like when it comes to like marketing or branding, like that's been fun to play with is because like you can't really tell how big Usol is because it feels huge because there's so many we're focusing on so many people, the guides, the classes, this and that. What has been the most surprising thing about starting this? It's really hard. I don't know. <laughs> I've just been surprised, like pleasantly surprised about how like much energy there is around yeah. this space. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I, I, to be honest, like I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised by that, you know? And I think that that just goes into like where I, my head space was like having just like closing my eyes and be like, okay, if I'm going to start this thing, this is the first thing I've ever started for myself. I've always worked behind the scenes, behind the closed doors of other people. I've always worked for other companies. I've always been an unsung hero. I've never, I've never kind of had like the confidence to, to, to start my own thing. And, you know, I always told myself if I, man, like anytime, you know, an artist or someone I worked for just was like going half-assed or just not really working as hard as they should be, I'd always be like, man, like if only I, this was my company, or if only like I was the dang artist, I'd get up there and like, you know, show the world, like, you know, what needs to be shown. And so, you know, I got to that point where when I finally got the confidence to start Uso, I was just like, okay, like, I'm going to do, you know, for the next six months, I'm going to do so much research. I'm going to, like, literally plan out the entire rollout for the whole, for a year. Did you do that? Yeah. Yeah. No, full on, like, it wasn't, nothing was a surprise. Like, everything. What do you mean the rollout for the year? Like, like, I just, I, like, I had everything. I had everything. Like, when Go was, like, and the gun went off, like, I just knew how, like, what was going to come. Like, wow. I, I wasn't scrambling, you That's know, awesome. like, I really, like, planned, planned. I knew that, like, there was no one stealing this idea. I had no rush. So I didn't start it until I was ready. But I was, like, tinkering with the idea, you know, coming up with the design, you know, way ahead of launching it. Um, because I just told myself, you know, one, if I start something, I'd be ready. But two, it's like when I go, when it, when it starts, like be ready to run. You know, I think I probably read it or heard it somewhere. It's just like, if you're starting a company, like know that like you're for the next like three to five years, like, like you have to like act like, you know, it's the first day on the job. Like you have to go, you know, and then if you do that, for that amount of time, like you're going to be able to really like be in a place where you feel like you can like sit back and, you know, but you have to be ready. And like, you know, I think I just like coached myself for like kind of half a year to get myself ready for starting this. And, you know, everything that's transpired has been like, really like, it's what I wanted. It's you what prepared I for it. Yeah. It's what I, ex I don't want to say expected, but like, it hasn't been a surprise because I was really, yeah, it wasn't just like, wow, this silly idea that like I just popped up. No, like I was like game planning for so long, business planning for so long to like, 
to get to this point, to want to get to this point. You know what I mean? I think it's really easy to start something. It's extremely hard to see it through. Like so many, anyone can start it. It's like easy to have a good idea. Having this idea, it's not, it's not even that novel of an idea. It's just like the seeing it through is what makes it novel. And I think like that's everyone. I think a lot of people are like, yo, when you told me about this idea before you started it, I was like, yeah, that's cool. I think everyone's just like, like, it's so like refreshing to like see someone actually follow through with what they said they're going to do. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, I just, I knew that if I was going to do it, I just had to like go. I just had to. I have to ask you you about this. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Because, (laughs) um, I really admire in you the way it seems like when you do have an idea, yeah. at least at this point, and you can tell me if I'm wrong with mm-hmm. this observation, mm-hmm. it seems like when you get an idea, you take action on it. You're like, mm-hmm. okay, I have this idea for this new product. Like, let's yeah. do it. A lot of people, mm-hmm. and I count myself in that <laughs> camp, sit there uh-huh. and we're paralyzed mm-hmm. with perfectionism, no, self-doubt. You know, and it's like analysis paralysis. So mm-hmm. do you experience that self-doubt or what's like, I mean, what's I your secret sauce? Yeah, it's I, like, dude, I wish I what knew. would Michael Washington yeah, do? I wish I knew because it's, because Melissa, who's our product, works in product for us. She came over from Dover, like just kind of working like the floor and stuff. And, but before that, she was working with a lot of creatives and like stylists and, and like, I guess like, you know, fat, like these guys that were trying to like make it in fashion. And she's like, I was like, why did you come? Why did you want to come work here? Like, I, I think after she had been working there for a while, and she's like, dude, like, like you just, you just get stuff done. Like, you just like, you, if, if, so, like, she was like, I just been working with all these like, quote unquote, like really like interesting creatives. And it's just all they do is just kind of like not really do anything. You know what I mean? They mull around with ideas and this and that. And it's just like so slow. And it's just like, you know, I guess like she was just saying that like for me, it's like if, if we want something done, I'm like, okay, let's get it done like right now. Where right does now. that come from? I don't know, <laughs> but but I don't really have a fear of 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 losing too much, and I think it's or just a failure. Be, yeah, do you have like a high failure tolerance? I don't like, know. I just I just think that like people, I just know people don't care. I just think that like we think people care so much mm-hmm. about things, and it's like say something like goes wrong or, or doesn't doesn't work out cool like let's put something like, i got better ideas let's go you know what i mean like i just think i think i trust the fact that like whatever's coming next you know is going to be better like I'm, I'm i'm like i think like you know we as we get older we get more wiser gain more steam we meet more people like i only think that like the ideas i have now are just going to get better so like i'm not like you know i'm not so like shelled down by like um just not putting stuff out there and just letting it exist and just kind of like just keeping it moving, even if it's mm-hmm. good or bad. I think it's like, you know, I'm just like, I, I really think it's important to kind of like not let yourself kind of sit in either in terms of when it comes to critique. I think like be excited and happy about like what you do if people don't like it or they like it, you know, like I think it's a byproduct, but like really like to keep like that kind of straight and arrows morally, especially if you're like, you know, running a company or, or if you're an artist, like you really have to find a way to block out the noise and just listen to your heart and, and what yourself. you want and yeah. just do that. And then, and then just keep doing that. And then it starts to become like second nature. I mm-hmm. think like is really the answer is like, like if you can, if you just keep trusting yourself and like, yep, that, yes, this, and, and, and sometimes you're wrong, you know, and like sometimes I get challenged. Like most will be like, no, they're like, no, I'm not doing that. And I'd be like, great. That's why I love having you around because like, you know, it's, it's now this baby is like, 
grown enough to where like people know how to identify it. Like it lives kind of has like a, like a language, um, you know, I think like design language and things like that. So now it's like so much easier to like, you know, work with people because they kind of get the world, you know, but I think like at the beginning, you just kind of have to be so strict to not be like, not let other people be like, yeah, like, like, Hey, what do you think of this? Cause like, mm-hmm. oh, getting caught in the, what do you think of this is really hard. Um, it's definitely kind of like first instinct. You know, I really try to live in that kind of first instinct front brain. Like when I'm, when I'm like thinking about something like that, like, what is my first thought? Like, what is my first instinct? Um, and I try to trust, trust it. And, and I try to be okay with knowing that like maybe that's not right, but I know I can always like rebuttal. I just feel like that's the best part about life is that it goes on. You know what I mean? It's like, as long as you mean well, as long as you're putting your best foot out there, then like it's hard to kind of look back and be like it was a failure. You know what I mean? But I think as soon as you start making second guesses and doing things that are like for other people and it fails, then it's like, well, you know, it's, the, I think like I'm more happy failing with something that like I really liked than like failing with something that I like really tried to make other people like, mm-hmm. like make it, make it for other people. And then it still fails and you're just like, ah, oh, cause then you're just like lost. You know what I mean? I think I've seen that, um, in working with artists so, so much. You, I'm sure you can, under, you can understand yeah, can or imagine. imagine it's just like they really struggle with, you know, not comparing themselves to their contemporaries, being able to, you know, really trust their sound. Um, and you start getting lost in the sauce of, you know, you got this record label saying you need to make this type of music to get on this type of place. And it's just so demanding. And the best artists are able to say, F you guys, I'm going to make what I want. And usually the label's like, oh, you you were right. You, my bad. You know what I mean? But too many cooks in the kitchen is a real thing. And, you know, get a close, close crew that you can like really trust and just keep them around because I think like it's not, it's, it, I'm all about collaboration too. I think it's really important and also giving other people platform, like people the platform to kind of do what they want. Like when it comes to like Chase, like we have such like the guy that does all of our visuals and stuff and, and everything. Like we have such a good um, relationship that I don't think I, maybe there's like three things that he's ever sent me that I've had him like, like make notes to. You know, it's crazy. Like, we've done so much stuff, but it's whatever he sends, I'm always like, great, let's do it. You know what I mean? I'm never, I don't really muddle around with his stuff unless, like, he's really kind of, like, kind of maybe missed the idea of it. I, I trust it. And I like that he, I think he, he likes that trust because I'm sure through the, his other jobs, because he's freelance, you know, he gets probably 10,000 notes when, like, he does, like, a SZA, like, a- album cover or whatever it is. And they're probably like, great, but, like, here, dude. 30 other versions. You know what I mean? Whereas like me, I'm like, loved it. Thanks. Like, let's, let's run it. You know? So I think it's just, um, find people that you trust and let them kind and trust of like, yourself. yeah, trust <laughs> yourself and let them, you know, give them the reins to guide the ship as well. And I think, um, that's what I'm trying to do is like in terms of building in, you know, even from a business perspective, you know, giving, you know, starting to work with more people, um, you know, kind of being more of kind of like a boss, I guess is like really all about just kind of letting people feel the ownership, um, you know, and I think they start to kind of really live and breathe it in their own and, and do what you, you would do anyway, you know, and I think like that becomes like, I guess how you grow. And yeah, I always talk about failure being the number one thing that's like made me who I am, you know, and it's, it's, I've gotten so much more out of failing 
um, that at this point, you know, I think maybe those like instincts, I'm just like almost inviting it. I'm like, cool, let's run it. And if it, cause like when you fail, you know, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? You, you know, you know instantly what to do. When you fail, you just, you just got to know how to like move fast and, and learn, be a quick learner, essentially. Um, and just be okay with, you know, things not working out. And, you know, that's me telling myself that, you know, sometimes it sucks and that's from life things and work things, whatever it is. But like, if you have, you know, if you're secure with who you are, if you're happy with who you are, if you can, you know, continue to try to work on yourself, like failure becomes less and less of like a, a, a intense and like detrimental thing. Mm-hmm. And you start to kind of like be able to have your navigational you know, ship in the kind of sea of ups and downs be less kind of rocky and you kind of just, you know, you still have, you know, I guess like a destination in mind that, you know, things can suck in that moment, but hey, I'm still going. I got this destination. Let's keep going. Let's try again. Let's, you know, I think, I think also outdoor, just not to like talk too much on this, but I do think also being in the outdoors and, 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 and doing outdoor experiences like camping and back camp, these are all things that have taught me this too. Like, it's like, you really like when things go wrong, you have to really think you have to, you have to, cause a lot of times like the unexpected happens, you know, and I think it's, it really helps you like those moments really, I take those as like life lessons and bring them back to my real life. But like things I've learned in moments like that, you know, panic things like that, like never goes well when you're in the outdoors or something goes wrong, whether it's like swimming or, um, you know, outside, you know, you got to calm yourself. You have to like be able to think clearly. And these are things that translate extremely well to like life mm-hmm. and, and just work or relationships. You know what I mean? So it's not about the freak out or, you know, if things go wrong, you really have to kind of like, okay, what, what's next? How do we like get on the right path? And so I think like, you know, everything kind of works together you know what I mean? And a lot of the lessons that I have learned through outdoor activities and, and just being in nature, I like very much have like logged in my brain as ways of like how I tackle issues or problems, problem solve in real life. I really like thinking about it like that. And I notice that whenever I feel stuck or feel, I don't know, I'm I'm just like having a hard time. I often think like, well, what does this look like in nature? Mm-hmm. So like if I'm feeling insecure, I think about, well, you know, a tree doesn't mind if it bends some mm-hmm. weird way. You're not looking at that tree and saying, well, that's the wrong way to bend. Or totally. So it's it's really nice that, it's really nice to hear about how mm-hmm. those experiences have really informed the way that totally. you. Yeah. You I mean, know, it's, to me, it's. It's just like with, the, yeah. yeah, it's the easiest way for me to like be like, oh yeah, well that makes sense, you know, cause I, I, yeah, I, things like n- nature makes sense to me. You know what I mean? Like it, it just, that, that stuff, um, resonates and it like make, helps me formulate, I guess, like my personal opinions. Um, because it just, I feel the most kind of at home, um, with that kind of side of, of, of the world. And I think sometimes like other ways of kind of like getting to maybe mathematical or, or overly kind of scientific, it's, it, you know, I'm kind of more like sp- more spiritual, I would say. And like the connection to, to like how I formulate, you know, my like strong stances. And a lot of that spiritual connection is from definitely like nature, essentially. Yeah. It's funny. I, I'm glad I, 
I wanted to ask more personal questions because even though you in some ways have started this and it's all about community and guides, Mm -hmm. I think people are really interested to hear from you and get to know you. And so what is something people may be surprised to know about you or to learn about you? I think they'd be surprised to know that that I feel very much like an introvert a lot of time, <laughs> which I think is, you know, I mean, it makes sense if you know me from like in terms of like my background, like being an only child, and um, I think for a lar- long time, long part of my life, I've ha- I had trouble kind of really connecting deeply to other other people, mainly like males, and just because I didn't look like anyone else and I didn't feel like I had just representation and and it's hard, you know, and so I think that's something I still struggle with and I feel like I've um I create these these this life for myself with Usal to kind of like really bring people together. Cause I, I think for me it's more like I like producing opportunities for people to meet. Sometimes I feel like I'm um sometimes like on the outside looking in. And I need to kind of like, I'm trying to teach myself to be less, to be more like present in those moments of like, great, I've made this great experience happening. Everyone's having the best time. Like stop being in producer mode, like chill. You know what I mean? So I've had a lot of trouble, sometimes trouble with that because I'm more comfortable just like organizing, but like being the one inside of that, like I don't have the most experience in. And so, yeah, I have like this extrovert, introvert kind of like. <laughs> double mm-hmm. double ended kind of thing where um yeah i just like chilling and, and being on my own a lot and um i cherish that kind of stuff and and um and it's important to me and i uh oftentimes got to have to challenge myself to kind of get out of that that bubble and um i think yeah people that really know me kind of know that but yeah mm-hmm. i think it might be surprising because of like instagram or yeah what i do for work and stuff that you know that that's definitely like, definitely kind of like a, a lone wolf in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. I always believe like we, we offer the medicine we need. So like I have pretty bad ADHD. And before I got diagnosed, I was like intuitively drawn to, you know, forest therapy and offering like sensory based experiences in nature And then later on got diagnosed and found out that one of the things that forced therapy helps out with is ADHD. So it's like, it was kind of this interesting, like, well, of course, you Mm -hmm. know, it helped me. So now I can help other people. And so it's interesting that like you talk about the connection because you're creating space for people to have these really nice and, and deep connections with one another. And that's something that you know, you are also hoping for yourself or like wanting to facilitate for yourself. So Yeah, exactly. So the last five questions, rapid fire round. Let's get into it. Cool. What is your favorite place in nature? To be sitting underneath a huge, tall tree, redwood tree. What is the animal, mineral, plant, I'm going to include fungi in there, that resonates with you the most? Uh, well, weird, weirdly, I'm going to say elk. Oh. You want to ask why? Yeah, why? <laughs> okay, well, they're in, uh, 
up up where Usal is, like literal Usal Beach Campground, Spurs Campground, there's these like this magical like rain, like there's like essentially this huge population of of free roaming elk that are um like endangered so like you know no one can like touch them and they roam this area right like in Usol Beach Campground and I just feel like I have this weird spiritual connection to them because like I don't know if you've ever looked one of these animals in the eyes but they're huge you know they're just un just a little bit smaller than a moose you know what I mean but like huge you know what I mean and and it's like the, the just like how uh, there's something about it, and and I don't know. Last time I was up there, caught eyes with one of them, you know, and we just had this kind of like stare off. But it was just <laughs> like I don't think I can shake that stare. I haven't been able to since. Um, and I just yeah, I think the, the question is like a connection. I feel like I have a connection with those, with that kind of group of elk up there. It's like it's really crazy. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. What is one thing we can do right now to connect with the natural world and bring more harmony into our lives? One thing that we can do is share more space for others, you know, and and, um, essentially be more inviting to each other. You know, if you're doing something, invite someone with you, invite someone, again, that doesn't look like you, you know, around. and and, And that's kind of like whether it's an outdoor activity or not, I think like what we need is are people that are willing to kind of be brave enough to be like, Hey, like, what are you doing today? I want to invite you to this thing. I think I feel, you know, living in a place like LA and, but you know, mainly cities is it's really hard to make friends. And I think it's because people are so scared to go out on a limb and, you know, ask people to dinner or, you know, just be like, Hey, I'm, I'm having some friends over to eat, do you want to you want to come? You know, and I think it's really important, and I and I've seen it firsthand how it's changed people's relationship with LA is if they have you know someone in their life that has invited them somewhere, and I think it's like it's all, sometimes the only thing people are missing, um, and it's so easy, you know, it's so easy to 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 do that, and hey, maybe that person doesn't come, but like just send an invite, you know. What is the greatest lesson nature has taught you? To to always remain curious. Yeah, to to keep that state of open kind of conscious and throughout old age and 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 never settling and never feeling like I've learned everything or or I know everything because every time I step into nature there's something completely new that I'm looking at or experiencing. So it's like the easiest way to know that oh yeah, there's so much more out there, you know, it's like being in nature. And then that leads me to feeling way more curious and excited to get older and experience that more and more and more and know that like I got a lot more years ahead of me to be in that headspace. And, you know, now life looks really fun. Complete the sentence nature brings me. Mindfulness. Thank you. Yeah, you were good. That was great. Hello again. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Michael Washington. I hope you feel inspired to get outside and turn towards community. 
I truly believe the world would be a kinder, safer place if we fostered opportunities for a deeper intimacy with one another. And so if anything, I hope you walk away from this conversation with an intention to find ways to create and support this within your own life in some way. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or someone you think would benefit from the conversation. I look forward to seeing you on the internet or on the trail, and I'll be back in your ears in two weeks with another episode of the podcast. You just listened to an episode of the Our Nature podcast. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review it. Thank you so much for listening. Stay curious, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.